Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode 116 of the DCAU Review. I am Liam, and with me, as he always is, is Cal. And Cal, we have come to the end of another month, although sometimes it's difficult to tell because every, every day, every week, every month just sort of runs together. But we are, in fact, nearing the end of July, believe it or not, and that means we are wrapping up our month, our latest stay in the world of Dakota and then the world of Static Shock as we are wrapping it up this week with Static in Africa. Yeah, uh, so a lot of us, uh, it's funny, this, uh, this, this episode obviously is from a very, very long time ago, as we'll discuss, but uh, it's nice to think back to when Americans were allowed to travel the world. <laughs> Uh, vacations were a thing. Summer was a thing. Uh, this is to me, uh, me and my wife talk about frequently how this is the summer that just doesn't exist. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it was nice to live vicariously through static for this week's episode as he takes a little trip to Africa. Hey, that's the name of the episode. (laughs) Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a fun ride. We get, we get, to sort of broaden the horizons a little bit, we kind of get a little bit of uh, t- talk on sort of real world, real life, present day uh, topics. We get uh, some some cool action from uh, some superheroes from another country. We got it all on this episode. Yeah, absolutely. And we will, of course, get into our four main plot, um, four main categories, which of course, as we haven't mentioned in, in several episodes, if this happens to be your first episode, first of all, thank you for listening. And yep. uh, second of all, uh, we have four main categories that we always break it down by Cal, and then that uh, gives us our final score. Can you tell the listeners at home, if this is their first episode, uh, what our four categories are? Absolutely. Uh, So we break them down and uh, each category has a score between zero and ten. I don't think we've had but maybe one episode give us a zero, (laughs) uh, a zero in a category. Uh, So that's an extreme rarity. Ten, of course, being the highest. We have four different categories. As Liam mentioned, we have plot. Then we have visuals and animation. So that's going to be based on, obviously, the animation changes from show to show that we cover, but kind of just blending that together, keeping things on model, but also uh, interesting things that they decided to include as visuals in the episode. Then we have music, of course, which is going to be our soundtrack, going to be the score to the episodes. And then, of course, course, voice acting. These DCAU episodes are well known for their uh, guest actors and and a whole cast of voice uh, characters that are just absolutely legendary at this point when it comes to voice acting. So we give each of them a ranking, and then we get a final score of blank out of 40, 
uh, 40 out of 40, of course, being our perfect episodes of which there are just a very few. Uh, but it, mm-hmm. we have several episodes that we like to call our top picks, which you can check out. We have broken those down at dcaureview.com. You can head over to there. Uh, there's actually a top pick section that will give you only the best of the best, and that's any episode that we have ranked 37 uh, and up. So you can check those out at dcaureview.com if you're interested. Uh, check out the full archive there. Very good, Cal. And we will get into ranking this week's episode. But first, as is tradition, I have... Uh, right here in my hands, I have the official IMDb synopsis for this episode that we get from the Internet Movie Database website. Perfect. And this is for the episode Static in Africa, which was written by Dwayne McDuffie uh, with storyboard supervision by Vic Dahl Shale, uh, with music by Richard Wolf and animation by Coco Enterprises. And that synopsis reads as such. The Hawkins family takes a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip to Africa where the family take pride in their heritage. Are you sure Um, that's the official synopsis? (laughs) That is the official IMDb synopsis. Uh, That synopsis covers about the first three minutes of the episode. Um, It does not mention most of what the actual plot of the episode itself is. Um, That that uh, like I said, that does cover sort of the beginning episode. uh, Static, uh, Virgil, his sister Sharon, and their dad are all on this plane. They go to Africa. We get a little bit of history of the culture there. They are specifically they are in Ghana, uh, and we hear about the culture, some of their culture there. Virgil is sort of remarking how uh, nice it is to not feel so out of place. He he tell he tells his friend Richie that he doesn't he doesn't feel like a black kid. He just feels like a kid. And uh, as as he's sort of enjoying and absorbing the culture, we get what I would say is the other ninety five percent of the plot, which is a they meet a doctor on a train who has some sort of research he's working on. Uh, he's confronted by a tiger man, for lack of a better term. Is there a better term than tiger man that I can, that I can say, Cal? I I think that uh, unless you were going to call him like Mr. Tiger or something like that, <laughs> I think I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, and uh, we can we can get into some maybe some fan theories later about whether or not he's an an early splicer or some kind of metahuman, but. Uh, Yes, we do this this strange tiger man and his followers. Uh, the tiger's name is Osibo. Uh, attempt to steal the research that this doctor has, and they are confronted by the patron superhero of Africa. That, of course, being Anansi the spider. Yeah. Uh, so, fun fact, Liam. I I did some research, and uh, are you aware that Anansi actually has a connection to another member of the DCAU? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think I did know that. Well, I did a little bit of research, and as far as main DC universe continuity as well as the Arrowverse continuity, uh, Anansi is quite possibly responsible for creating the totem that Vixen actually uses uh, to uh, her powers. Of course, she's able to sort of draw upon the powers of different uh, animals, different Mm -hmm. creatures. 
And uh, he's actually, at least in the DCU proper, uh, and certainly in the Arrowverse, he's responsible or believed to be responsible for creating that totem. So is it possible that he's also linked to the DCAU vixen? I don't see why not. That's awesome. I, I quite truly did not know that. So that's that's a, <laughs> that's a fascinating uh, that's a fascinating bit of trivia there, and I actually love that. Well, yeah, we don't so really let me, get let much me... in a way of an origin for Vixen, and as far at least in the DCAU version of her. Sure, yeah, and and let me preface that by saying that Anansi in the DC universe is the god, the African god of mischief, uh, versus just being a the character that we see sort of in the in this in this uh, interpretation of him so mm-hmm. it may not be a one to one this is that character but he is this character i believe is based on that character or the folklore of this african uh, folklore hero of uh, this god of mischief anansi yes yeah that's that's sort of alluded to a little bit i think the the name of the tiger, uh, Asibo, is also a, a character from from one of the, the stories about Anansi, which is, yes, this clever trickster god who often took the form of a spider in uh, sort of African folklore. And, uh, yeah, he's manifested here in a more traditional, as you mentioned, a more traditional superheroic uh, fashion. Uh, he does sort of have that, that I guess, sort of a, a trickster power. As he's able to sort of create these uh, these grand illusions, um, as well as some others, uh, he can kind of just do whatever. It feels like he can kind of just do whatever. And that, and I was trying to kind of figure out throughout the episode if he's just a man who has taken on that name because he has similar powers, or if he is literally meant to secretly like be this god, this folklore hero. And, they, and obviously there's another episode with him, so I'll, that that episode may go more into his origins. I think actually our friends over at Tim Talk just recently reviewed that one, so uh, I'll have to listen to their review and uh, and and catch up with that episode as I haven't seen it in years. But uh, yeah, that's so they so anyway, we have uh, <laughs> we have, have Anansi the Spider, uh, the the hero of Africa, and he's sort of defending. Uh, defending this doctor's research, the tiger gets away with it. We find out that the tiger is seeking out this lost treasure that's uh, that's underwater, and in order to get to the treasure, well, they gotta blow up a dam and uh, and f- potentially flood a, a large portion of the continent. They're gonna and, blow uh, up the ocean. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> Straight out of a blue lasers playbook. They are bl- they are threatening to blow up the ocean. Yes, a very deep cut. Uh, but yes, they are they are there. And but thankfully, Static being the hero that he is, we we've talked earlier this month about how Static sort of just has these random extra powers that he's given on any on any week or depending on what the story needs. Uh, uh, previously, he has like special internet search powers. <laughs> and uh, this this week he has so he has these tracers, but rather than say how Batman would use a tracer where it just gives off a radio signal and he follows it, somehow Static alone is able to track these tra- tracers. I assume I guess he charges them with electricity, and then the electricity sort of slowly pulsates, and he's able to track the electricity that he infused into this tracer. I'm not. I don't. I don't know that this is scientifically accurate, I guess is what I'm saying, Cal. 
unclear (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i there is there i i don't know it's it's just like like we say every single week it's just something that sort of is a plot device used to it's like oh we discovered that static has this new invention i guess that richie created that you just explain away as a way to involve static because that honestly that's sort of at the beginning of this episode you're thinking it's like all right so he's on vacation first of all how is he able to get his his static costume through customs, let alone th- this like transforming metal shield that he rides around on? Like, OK. Mm-hmm. All right. So he gets all that through customs and through security and all that. And I guess I, I didn't mention, but this episode originally premiered on February the 8th, 2003. So this is this is after certainly after uh, security changed and checkpoints and all of that, because this is mm-hmm. clearly after after everything that happened. 2001 at least in our world so you would think it would be hard to get a metal disc <laughs> through through uh, customs and and through security but maybe not i don't know it folds up so maybe that that was the explanation um but yeah it's just another another thing that they're like well how are we going to get static to be involved in this or why how are we going to give him an excuse to kind of be involved in this situation and it's clearly it clear that uh anansi holds his own it's not like static needed to really help him although he kind of gives him an assist in stopping this runaway train that they're on which also is sort of an unexplained power of static like how does the electricity stop the train eh I don't know. <laughs> okay, all right. So he can so, kind of he I don't know, he can create like force fields with it sometimes. He can like carry things with it. I guess I don't know. He makes it he reverses the polarity of the electrons and makes the train lighter. I don't know. Like, sure. Okay. It's, it's I mean some sort of a pseudoscience, I'm sure. My point is is that there's a lot of statics powers that's just like, "Oh, Okay, I guess a lightning bolt can create a force field that protects them from a giant rock avalanche or <laughs> or I guess that electricity can charge this tracer that only he can trace in order for him to have to be involved in this tracking of uh Osubo. Like I I guess that makes sense. I I I don't know. It's it's just one of those things where you're like, uh, okay, I guess. <laughs> For sure. But from there, yes, Static and Anansi are able to track down uh, a Sibo at the uh, at the dam. They sort of they just sort of fight the bad guys and win. And uh, that's sort of the end. Um, there is. I So so what, I will say this, Cal, there's stuff in this episode from a plot standpoint that I like. Um, it's obviously it's a, it's a unique setting to have it take place in, a, in another country. And in another, you know, the, the terrain, and we'll certainly get to that in visuals and, and animation later. But uh, so there's things I like about I like the setting and the stuff where Virgil is sort of opining about, you know, how he doesn't feel so out of place. As, as we said, uh, you know, he's talking about how he, he feels more at home because he's around his own people. There's a there's a talk they have at one point about this this African philosophy of that. You know, anyone with African ancestry is is at home and, and they're all one people, all one race. And and that that seems to really hit home with Virgil. And I think that's really fascinating. And then there's this little uh, conversation they have at the end of the episode where Virgil's talking about how 
how cool it is to have another uh, African American, African or, or black superhero to to look up to, and and Anansi sort of tells him, hey, you know, I look up to you too, and and people back home in America, they have a black superhero to look up to because you're there. And I, I really liked that, and I thought it was fascinating. And I kind of wish more of the episode had focused on that side of it. I understand maybe that that teeters on you turning it into like a very special episode, a PSA episode. But that, to me, was the most interesting part of the episode, was sort of this the feelings and, and emotions that Virgil was going through. But that's sort of a very minor, quick, you know, quick moments in this episode. And a lot of it is just... Tiger Man steals a briefcase and now Static and Anansi go off to fight him. Like it's, it's sort of, and then like we said, there's some, some African history and African culture thrown in as well. But like, to me, the most interesting part of this is, is Virgil sort of, uh, you know, learning to, uh, you know, seeing, seeing a different side of himself, discovering new things about himself, about his culture. And I just wish there was more of that, if that makes sense. No, I, I agree. And, you know, obviously we we haven't reviewed a lot of static uh, just yet. And I think looking at this back with 2020 eyes uh, into a 2003 cartoon, um, it might be easy to kind of pick out things like, man, like this is there's a lot here that could be touched on that is very topical. Uh, mm-hmm. that probably should have that has should have been topical for a very long time and maybe it's just has a spotlight shined on it because of everything that's happened this year and over the last few years um so i you know i i think that that in some way creates the interesting aspect of it because y- you think about that and you think about the characters in mainstream cartoons and how much of that was a, almost Dwayne McDuffie's voice speaking. I mean, that's the whole reason why the Milestone universe was created and why Mm -hmm. uh, Static having his own cartoon is so important is because you look at the the characters in the DCAU until really until we had uh, Justice League, where we had Jon Stewart who became a focal point of the show at, at one point, but wasn't necessarily the focal point at the beginning uh, and didn't, wasn't maybe the, the main character uh, right off the bat or, or a main character right off the bat, despite being a part of the team, you didn't, you didn't have a strong representation of an African-American or an African-American hero. And even today in comic books, obviously, and again, I'm speaking from somebody that's white. So that's, that's, yes. this is my perspective on things, but you don't have to have eyes to see that. I mean, you only have to have eyes to see that, you know, the majority of superheroes in mainstream are not black. Um, yes. So that topic, him bringing that up as the character, almost being the voice of, you know, what young African-American kids may that may themselves be experiencing or looking up to or saying, man, it's difficult because I want to I love superheroes, but there are so few superheroes that look like me that are on the screen. Um, and, you know, Anansi, who obviously is, is who Static is looking up to in this, not only calls Static his hero, but points out very obviously, it's like, well, Static, you are an American hero that that young that young black kids can look up to um, as a as a hero to be a role model. So, yeah, I think that's very interesting. Um, I, I think that that's obviously, like I said, I think because of of how. 
in our in in our face and how topical that uh, certainly race relations and white privilege and all of that has been in the year 2020. That's mm-hmm. That's, I think, certainly something that we're hopefully more sensitive to at this point, and that's something that kind of rings a couple bells when you when you see it and you hear it. Um, but yeah, the, I I don't disagree with you that I would have that would have been a little bit more interesting to kind of pass through. Maybe even having static, um, have a few doubts or have you know been struggling with this throughout because it's kind of just tacked on at the end. I mean, he talks a little bit in the beginning about you know like you said he. He feels like he can be just a kid in Africa as opposed to being a black kid. Um, and, it, you know, so there's a little bit of that touched on, but it's it's kind of touched on in that brief. And it's kind of briefly and then kind of passed over, like you said, for guy robs a train to or Catman robs a train to <laughs> till the very end where they have this kind of heart to heart between uh, Anansi and, and and Static himself. So, yeah, I think that 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 would have been more interesting to cover. Obviously, though, it's also a children's cartoon that we have to look at and it's dealing with probably a little bit, you know, a little bit less heavier topics. So, um I, I don't know. I, I think it's good. I think that that could have been certainly could have been stronger with that. And I think that's more fascinating if they l- uh, leaned on that a little bit more. Uh, my score may have been a little bit higher. Uh, with that said, I still gave plot uh, because it's fun. Um, I did enjoy it. I think Anansi is a great character. I think that mm. their interactions together are extremely fun. Um, I think that tapping into you know this this kind of lesser known african folklore legend um of a character was interesting as opposed to just you know we're gonna pull up pull out another milestone character or we're gonna go with another random dc universe character um so with that said i gave plot an eight out of ten yeah i'm uh, i'm right in that same ballpark i went i went seven out of ten because yeah despite sort of the the critiques we've laid out here some things we may have liked to see i think overall you know the act as 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 funny as as the joke sounds to say like oh it's just just two guys chasing a cat man and trying to stop him from blowing up a dam like it's a very simple superhero versus supervillain plot but it is a lot of fun and uh, and we'll certainly get into that as as we move on to our other categories but yeah i, I think uh despite maybe some things could have made it even better, but it, it's certainly not a, a bad story by any stretch. It's it's still quite a bit of fun. All right, and moving on here, Cal, to the world of music. I do not have a lot of notes about music this week. I do enjoy the music on the train scene, kind of everything from when, uh, when Osibo shows up and uh, accosts the doctor to... Anansi uh, revealing himself. I, I really like the music there. A lot throughout the episode, I did notice there's a lot of the percussion is, is seemingly done on sort of more traditional African uh, African drums, more acoustic drums. Uh, I, I did appreciate that. I uh, I play the drums myself in real life, so I always I always take note when there's sort of unique unique percussion in any episode. Um, uh, so I, I liked that. I like I liked a lot of the music on the train and 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 some of the music. Uh, during the final fight scene as, as Static and Anansi are, are taking down uh, Asibo's uh, crew in, inside the dam, but not as much standout, certainly not as much uh, music that pulls focus, for better or worse, as a lot of our episodes of Static 
uh, have certainly pulled focus either for good or for bad, depending on uh, which one of us uh, was scoring the episode. But uh, what did you think <laughs> of music this week? Uh, definitely laid off of the uh, the distracting music for a lot of it, which I appreciated. There were still some heard some lyrics snuck in there at the beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the opening scene, and I think it, even when they land in Africa, there's some some lyrics thrown into the music. So it's still there. Uh, with that said, there was definitely more of a traditional score, especially uh, that I noticed during the scene on the train. Uh, there was more traditional score with the fight scene at the end uh, where they're inside the the uh, dam. Um, they There's more definitely more traditional scoring of this i did also notice uh the sort of uh tribal african style music that they threw in there which of course you know not to say i I was expecting it uh but you know Mm -hmm. you would think you would think that there there would be based on based on where they are in the story so um i I didn't didn't think anything stood out as being great. Uh, nothing detracted as cer- certainly as much as we've talked about music for this month and as much as I've poo-pooed it. This episode, there wasn't. Uh, I, I feel like they they stayed kind of uh, they plateaued sort of where they were last week. <laughs> we talked about it. Uh, it wasn't as bad as the the uh, hard hard as nails episode, and uh, certainly wasn't as bad as the shack episode. So uh, I went went with a just a standard five out of ten for music for this week. Yeah, I went I went a little higher. I went I went six out of ten. Uh, yeah, I do really like the the sort of the theme. There's sort of some chanting and and like I said, some really unique percussion when uh, when Anansi reveals himself. We get some of the static uh, static theme that plays, I guess, the season two main theme, but it's sort of it within the show is his his main sort of superheroic theme throughout the entire series. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I like that. So, yeah, there's nothing, uh, nothing as standout, be it positive or negative, as there has been in the last few weeks that we've been reviewing static. But, uh, yeah, still I, I still enjoy music quite a bit this week. And moving on from there, we will move on to visuals and animation. And Cal, uh, I'll let you go first. I have some thoughts on visuals and animation. A lot of good stuff, save for one thing. Uh, What do you think of uh, visuals and animation this week? All right, so we have we have uh, we're still in season three, which is certainly uh, leaps and bounds above season two. I thought that this episode had a tougher hill to climb because unlike the last two episodes, a lot of daylight in this episode. Mm-hmm. So we we talked about that before, how especially in some of the newer digital animation shows, um, this show I think specifically because it is far less detailed and far less shadow work seems to be done and it's sort of kind of on the outskirts of the traditional dcau style as opposed to being being uh smack dab in the middle like the rest of the shows are mm-hmm. so all of that i feel like in a way works against that uh against this episode uh, being in the daylight we've talked about how that sometimes disguises things make it look a little bit less like the 90s spider-man cartoon and more like 
you know, Batman the Animated Series instead. Uh, there's a reason why they they sort of did those episodes on dark paper and 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 did that because it disguises a lot of the imperfections or the things that stand out on cheaply made cartoons. Uh, so with that said, I think that there are some things that are interestingly interesting looking. Obviously, we mentioned this is the series debut of Anansi, so he is a gentleman that's. Uh, sort of resembles, I guess his costume sort of resembles the shadow a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, a um, little, a little, little shadow. Obviously, the shadow wears his handkerchief uh, on his face, uh, like mm-hmm. every good American should. But uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> neither here nor there. Anyway, uh, but uh, and Nazi's wearing his over his eyes, like a sort of like a a. Uh, a uh, Zorro type costume too. You got some mm-hmm. Zorro in there as well. So uh, definitely interesting looking. I like the spider on his costume. Also, sort of re- somewhat resembles the uh, the spider on the back of the Spider-Man costume, the traditional <laughs> Spider-Man costume. Uh, obviously, we get a, a verbal nod to that too, which we may may talk about at some point. But um, so, so yeah, I, I like that. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Static ditched his jacket halfway through the episode. Yeah, so we so as you mentioned, somehow Static got all of his uh, his gear and equipment in uh, through customs and into Africa. And yeah, the first scene we see him when he's just flying out at night, sort of enjoying enjoying himself, sort of just flying out. Some really some really actually really nice uh, sort of panning shots of him flying over like rivers, and you see a lot of the wildlife there looking up as as he flies through and yeah, he's got his jacket on like normal, but then yeah, later when he and Anansi are teaming up to, uh, to track down Osibo, suddenly, uh, static's gone jacketless. He's got to show off the, the arm work that he's been doing. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't dislike the look it, but it does just look a little bizarre because there's not really an, like a, a reason given within the context. It's not like, it's not like his jacket gets torn in an earlier scene or something. Maybe it's because it's super warm. Yeah, maybe, but I, I don't know. That that makes as much sense as anything. I, like I said, it, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. I, I don't think it looks bad, but it is. Uh, yeah, it definitely it definitely uh, pulled focus for a moment or two. But yeah, I, I will say for the most part, I really really enjoyed this episode from a visual standpoint. Uh, I, I also enjoyed the, the design of Anansi. Uh, I like the way his the the way he. He doesn't, unlike Spider-Man, who sort of crawls on walls, he can just walk on them and run on them and stand on them. There's a, there's a great shot of, of Static flying on his little uh, his little disc that he, he surfs around on, and, and Anansi is just standing on the bottom of it, flying around. And yeah, later they, awesome. grab, they grab one of the henchmen and sort of flip around and, and throw the guy into the water. They do some really creative stuff with uh, with the Nazi's powers, as well as his sort of powers of illusion that he shows off. Um, yeah, they do, they do some really, uh, really creative stuff with that. Um, also, I, I haven't talked about this in a while, Cal, but there is some Josh Darn great hashtag Kate movement in this episode uh, <laughs> by a Nazi. Uh, there's a great shot where Static sort of uses his powers to blind uh, blind the, the the villains, and then it cuts to sort of this POV shot of uh, of a Nazi standing in front of one of the bad guys, and he throws a punch into the camera, and then as you see the unconscious guard on on, on the floor, Static and and a Nazi are standing there. A Nazi's just in that classic hero pose, hand on hips, and that cape is just flowing. 
and uh, <laughs> it looks great. Like seriously, I was I was struck by they did a great job. I think uh, Coco was the uh, the animator on this episode, and and uh, I was I was impressed. First of all, I don't get to talk about hashtag Kate movement very much when we do static, so I you know I had to bring it up on our uh, on our rare occasions that I get to bring it up. But I love that. I will say my one thumbs down for this episode. I'm not a big fan of Osibo's look. All right, let's hear it. Why not? Like, because I think if you say that on paper, it's a tiger, it's half man, half tiger, and he's got a metal hand. You're like, the your inner child is like, that sounds like the coolest looking character ever. But he looks more like, I, I don't know, like a Thundercats villain or something to me than a than more more like that than like a DCAU villain um he he's just he has this you know he has like a, 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 a i should say he's a leopard we've been calling him the tiger man the whole time but he is specifically referred to as a leopard by a nazi at one point but yeah so he has like a striped tiger face that's cool but then he just has like this orange orange i don't even know is it a shirt is it his skin hard to tell uh, and then he has like yellow pants, and then yes, this one silver, <laughs> silver claw hand, which is cool. But I just I don't know the the overall presentation of Osibo as like this this imposing villain that's gonna that's gonna menace the people of Africa. I just didn't buy it. Like he just he looks like a like a Power Rangers villain or a, or a Thundercats villain or something to me. He Man maybe. Yeah, I kept looking at him and thinking that they drew they drew uh, similarities to from him to Bronze Tiger. It's like did they were they not able to use like Bronze Tiger and they wanted to make the villain similar? Because as far mm. as I understand, this is an original villain. This is, or actually, so uh, he also is a part of African folklore. So I, I yes, don't there's know. A, there's specifically a story I believe involving a Nazi the spider spider trickster god and this leopard called Asibo but so I guess it's part that but yeah he's not really as far as I know other than that based on any sort of existing DC characters right so I, I don't know I so I don't know if there's visuals that they went off of or what have you but yeah it, it was an odd choice he has the actual tail of a of a leopard also so it's not just like I don't know. I, I guess we can speculate. Is this a this is this a, a Dr. Milo like knockoff <laughs> creation? Somebody in Africa got got wind of Dr. Milo's experiments and decided to try their own, or he was shipping shipping splicer material over to Africa also in an attempt to to make this uh, metahuman half animal half man thing <laughs> go international, or 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 is this just like some sort of weird magic leopard man that's or leopard that's turned into an anthropomorphic man or yeah more more questions than answers i think when it comes to uh asibo at least in this first episode like we said there is a follow-up episode where anansi and asibo return so perhaps it's uh, better explained there but as far as this episode in a vacuum yeah he's just like i said i, I was just very unimpressed with the look of this guy and uh i, I just thought he, he everything else in the episode looks really good and looks pretty cool and he does not look cool <laughs> to me so <laughs> yeah i yeah maybe they could have uh, they could attacked yeah this on into into jlu at some point like hey anansi could have joined the justice league at some point i mean there's a lot of people in that crowd and in, in initiation we don't know that he wasn't there 
That's true. It's a good point. I, I would I would have liked to have seen him included at some point or, you know, maybe uh, an, a, the Justice League takes a trip over to Africa or, hey, maybe in like the the uh, Kronos episode, they run into him somehow. Yeah. I don't know. Isn't, that would have isn't, been isn't Gorilla City in Africa? Oh, baby. I believe it is. That's a crossover. And Bird That's... City, I think, is also in Africa. Uh, <laughs> No, I believe we established Bird City is in South America, if you recall. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> keep your yeah. keep keep your keep your your highly intelligent evolved animal cities separate, please. <laughs> that's right. It's, it was wrong of me to generalize, but you're you're of course right. Bird City is a completely different thing. But yes, anyway, uh, I. <laughs> If you don't Overall, know what Bird City is, please check out our latest bonus episode of the DCAU Review, where you'll hear all of our speculation as to the origins of Mr. Wing, who just recently made his DCAU de- and DC DC Comics debut in the recent Digital First Batman The Adventures Continue comic. But continuing on with this episode. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, other than uh, Asibo's sort of disappointing look, I really love the visuals all throughout this episode. Like I said, especially some of the way uh, Anansi's powers were were visualized. So uh, I actually gave this a very strong score of 9 out of 10. I'm right in the same neighborhood. I went 8 out of 10. Um, I think it's good. I think that the daylight stuff sort of uh, brought my score down just a little bit. I think even the final battle, I I appreciated that it was inside the dam as opposed to being outside. But Mm -hmm. I I felt like a nighttime battle would have done that a, a little bit better. But you know, who, who am I, who, who am I to decide what a 2003 cartoon, actually, that's my whole, it's what we do here. We, that's literally we make, what we're here for. Literally what we're here for. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, overall, I think it's a, it's a very strong visual episode either way. And that will bring us Cal to our final category. And that is of course, voice acting and uh, not a huge guest cast, but we do have some notable guests. It's funny, Cal, uh, both in the episode and in our review here, uh, Spider-Man's been name-checked a few times. And uh, that's interesting to me because uh, playing Dr. Inoki, this this doctor who's sort of doing research on this ancient lost city where this treasure is uh, that Asibo is trying to locate is found, uh, is voiced by one Roscoe Lee Brown, who in fact voiced the Kingpin, on the 1990s uh, animated Spider-Man series. Is this seat taken? No. Aquaba. Medasi. I am Dr. Anoki, professor of archaeology at the University of Ghana. I'm Robert Hawkins, and these are my children, Sharon and Virgil. We're tourists. From America, yes. Perhaps we are distant cousins. One never knows. That's true, kids. About 16% of all American slaves came from Ghana. Really? We gotta ditch Pop's books. I want to show them where the Ashanti kings used to live. Then you must go to the Premba Jubilee Museum. <laughs> yeah, I thought that that's an interesting, uh, interesting connection there to the uh spider-man animated universe uh i guess that's a thing uh well actually that whole marvel animated universe is its own universe uh we've 
that's but that's that's its own show or its own <laughs> its own elseworlds tale for another time but yeah interesting that he gets to i mean it's just one of those things where it's it may be a coincidence because he's clearly a, a very good voice actor or it's something that they were like hey let's go do this because you know it would be funny on top of on top of that i don't know i think that andrea romano just is able to to pull out great voice actors and actresses mm-hmm. and uh this guy clearly because he had a pretty pretty big role pun intended on that show uh <laughs> just seemed to, to fit seamlessly into this into a, a you know another role that they needed yeah there you go and uh speaking of our everyone's favorite uh talking tiger slash leopard uh Asibo is voiced this week by michael jai white and it's funny cal that you mentioned bronze tiger because folks may recognize Mr. White from his performances as Bronze Tiger on the Arrow series. Yeah, yeah, I would say he also did, from my recollection, he did Doomsday's voice also in Justice League. Is that right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he was also in in the Dark Knight. So a lot of a lot of different uh, DC uh, DC acting credits to his name. Voice actually voiced the John Stewart Green Lantern in the Justice League Heroes video game. And of course, I can't not mention that he was Spawn in the wonderful, in quotes, live action Spawn movie from 1997. The best year for superhero movies, as we all know. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Todd McFarlane's still working on the reboot for that movie uh, tw- 23 years later, but uh, yep. I'm sure Michael Jai White's performance was not the problem with that movie. I'll just say that. Uh, sure. I like him. I like him as Asibo. Again, there's he's kind of just a generic, you know, ang- angry villain here. You know, like you said, he's he's motivated by greed, but uh, I, I do think he does a solid job here as as as, as the villain of our piece. The spider weaves his web, and the cat is caught. But a cat has many lives, Anansi. I can still detonate the explosives with this. So unless you watch your flying friend crushed. You will reveal yourself. You press the button, and we all go. Do not tempt me. Yeah, his voice, you know, despite maybe us not loving the actual character design, I think his voice voice work is fine here. And then, uh, before we get to our sort of our main guest actor of the week we'll go through our main cast here we do briefly have jason marsden as richie we have uh, michelle morgan as sharon and of course we have kevin michael richardson as virgil's dad and of course phil lamar himself playing static but in this episode and i do think phil lamar does a quite a good job in this episode but he is getting to play off of someone he he was probably familiar with by this point and that is of course his justice league co-star carl lumbly uh, the martian manhunter himself playing anansi the spider here i suggest we stand on tradition Osiba. you know well the ancient story the spider always captures the leopard What do you say, friend Leopard? Shall we dance? Who is that? I am a Nancy the Spider, ever at your service. Chile! 
he is the most famous crime in all of West Africa. I was too modest to say. Uh, what did you think of Mr. Lumbly's work in it? Is it is it tough to have a recognizable voice playing a completely unique character? Uh, I think we discussed this going back to the Stalker episode of Batman Beyond, which you mm-hmm. can hear in the archives at dcaureview.com uh, or wherever you stream your your podcasts. But yeah, we we talked about that at the time and how that's he's such a unique voice. Uh, we've talked about that with the Joker and and Mark Hamill's first appearance in in and a heart of ice and mm-hmm. another character, you know, we, it, that comes up very, very often. It seems again, because you have the same, you have Andrea Romano who does the, does the voice casting for these cartoons and she uses a lot of the same people. So yeah, there are times where it's like, Ooh, man, that's kind of weird. And not to not hear somebody else when you're watching a different character. I think with this though, I think his, with the accent that he uses, um, mm-hmm. he uses, he uses a, uses a, a pretty standard African Guinese, I guess Guinese is the way that you would classify it, right? Someone mm-hmm. from Ghana is Guinese. Um, so he uses a, you know, an African accent and it, it disguised, to me, it disguised his voice enough where there were times where it stood out. You're like, Oh, that's Carl Lumbly. But mm-hmm. it, at other times, it you kind of I I kind of got lost in the voice itself and didn't notice it as much. So I think his performance, because of that, I think that speaks to his ability to play multiple characters, to be able to interpret this character differently than the way he played Martian Manhunter, different than he played the Stalker. Uh, it's 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 a testament to to Mr. Lumbly's ability to <laughs> as a voice actor. Uh, he's really, really good. Absolutely. And I yeah, I do think it helps that Anansi is so different, not only in, in the accent he chose, but also in the just in, in sort of the way he delivers the lines. Anansi, again, based on this sort of trickster god of folklore. He's very, he's very quippy. He's very light, and he, he makes a lot of jokes. He's very, uh, you know, he's very, very humorous character, and uh, I, I think that really helps it stand out. Um, so yes, even though it is a recognizable voice, you can tell who it is, especially if you're, if you're like us and have been watching these cartoons for years and years. Um, it is noticeable, but I think because it's so different than the the Martian Manhunter voice or even the Stalker voice. Um, I, th- I think it kind of stands out on its own. And like I said, I, I really enjoyed his, his back and forth with, uh, with Phil Lamar as, as static in this episode. And, uh, especially the, the scene at the end that we talked about as, uh, as static is sort of lamenting about not having a, a black superhero to look up to back home. And I will miss you, my friend. And your good humor. I'll miss you too, Anansi. I never knew how important it would be to meet a role model like you. Role model? Yeah, a black superhero. I don't know, it validates me somehow. Heroes come in every color, my friend. I know. It's just that sometimes I wish there was a black superhero back home for folks to look up to. Oh, but there is. And he is my hero, too. And a Nazi sort of, uh, sort of, you know, giving him, giving him the, the life lesson... One that yes, heroes come in many colors, but also that there absolutely is a a black superhero uh, 
and in America for everyone to look up to, as we talked about, and that being Sadik himself. So I, I thought they were especially great together as a duo here. Yeah, I think that their chemistry is is obvious. It's obvious they've been working on Justice League before this together. Uh, so it, it's clear that they have plenty of chemistry. It certainly translates over to playing two different characters here on this show and uh, speaks to the professionalism of both of them and the, the ability to just get great performances out of each other. I, I think they do a great job. I think that overall voice voice acting is incredibly strong in this episode uh, by a, a great uh, cast, a great choices by Andrea Romano to, to cast, cast the people in this. And um, that's why I ended up giving voice acting a perfect 10 out of 10. Nice. Yeah, and I, uh, I actually gave it the exact same score there. I also gave it a 10 out of 10. Nice. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that, that's, uh, I think the highest a, a voice acting score we've given, uh, for static so far and, uh, well-deserved in, in this episode, like I said, especially be on the, uh, on the strength of Carl Lumbly and, and Phil Lamar there. But, uh, yeah, that'll, uh, that'll bring, begin to bring us to our final scores here, Cal and tallying everything up. I have a final score of 32 out of 40. Nice. Uh, I am right in the same neighborhood, just a tick lower. I gave it a 31 out of 40. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I guess we can get into rewatchability here. Um, I, I would give this one a thumbs up. Like we said, it's it's a fun episode. It touches on some very interesting themes. Um, and then, yeah, obviously these characters do come back in a, in a later episode of Static. So, yeah, I, I'd give this some thumbs up for rewatchability. No, I would agree. Um, I think, like you said, because the character comes up, I think because of the importance of the 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 um, the sort of the growth of the static character, what that means. So I did have a question, though. Obviously, this is 2000. This debuted in 2003 and mm-hmm. tossing aside show timelines for this period of time i it would seem to me though especially especially even though we haven't had an interaction between the two of them just yet uh john stewart has been an active green lantern for some time <laughs> there uh, i guess static just isn't aware that there's another black superhero in america um yeah so i was thinking about that um, or steel i guess yeah, so I guess well, Steel obviously his his entire face is covered, so maybe it's just not publicly known that that is a black man Good under, point. under Good all point. the armor. Good point. Uh, when it comes to John Stewart, that is that is a question because actually later on in this season, Static teams up with the Justice League, including including John Stewart. Um, but I guess yes, to this point in the series, obviously he hasn't met uh met met the green lantern yet and to be fair i guess it's sort of implied that that john was was off world for a lot of his green lantern career prior to justice league so and obviously a lot of the justice league adventures aren't all they aren't always taking place on earth so maybe maybe he just feels like green lantern sort of this galactic hero and it's it's not quite the same as as having like a, a hometown hero in that case that's that's my best guess but yeah that isn't that is sort of an interesting wrinkle to this is where uh within the actual show order just a few episodes away from from static teaming up with with uh with John Stewart and the rest of the Justice League uh and yet, yeah, here he is sort of lamenting about about them not really having a, a black superhero to look up to at home. So, yeah, I guess I guess John Stewart just hasn't reached that status, at least not in, in Static's world just yet. 
There you go. Well, we know that he does, and there's actually a, a standalone. I think I think you just mentioned there's just outside of the the Justice League crossover. There's actually a standalone John Stewart episode with Static. So things we have to look forward to when we uh, return to the world of Static at some point. Not that we're necessarily going to cover those episodes the next time, but uh, we'll definitely get to them eventually down the road, if not next time. Absolutely. And we are beginning to wrap it up here, Cal. We're kind of we were talking off the air about introducing sort of a new thing to do at the end of the month. And that is sort of just a, a month in review. What did, what did we learn? What did we enjoy this month? Uh, what are, what are the things that really stand out to you this month as we, uh, we covered static for the second time? Uh, well, things that I think it's widely known. I wasn't a fan of the music. Uh, that is still very, very difficult for me to kind of hold on to and grasp. Um, I would say that this being only the second month that we've done of Static, I think it's it's learning that this show itself has its own voice, its own style, its own uniqueness about it, that while we've mentioned sort of it's sort it feels at times more DCAU adjacent, rather than DCAU proper. Um, mm-hmm. It creates its own world, it creates its own fun, and it has its own messages to deliver. And it may not, it's not necessarily to that that more mature audience that Batman the Animated Series was directed towards, or even Justice League Unlimited towards the end, or Batman Beyond at times mm-hmm. could be. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't have things that are valuable. It doesn't have fun that we can have. It doesn't have. It doesn't mean that there's not things that we can pull out of it and enjoy. So I'm really looking forward to the next time that we cover Static. Um, you know, it's it's bittersweet. We're kind of getting into a role here uh, on on some Static. <laughs> but I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, what we're jumping into next month. Uh, what about you? Do you have anything that uh, that came out of this month uh, reviewing for Static? Yeah, I think I think something I've noticed, and obviously we jump around a little bit. We started the month in season three, went back to season two, and then spent the last couple of weeks here in season three. And uh, thank you to everyone who voted in our Twitter poll. That you uh, you all lovely people on Twitter actually helped us pick uh, Static in Africa as our final review for this month, and uh, and we appreciate it because uh, we had quite a bit of fun reviewing it. But uh, I think, yeah, I think something I've noticed sort of as, as you, especially as you get into these later seasons of Static, is you actually do kind of see, even though each episode, each episode doesn't have a lot of continuity or callbacks to, to direct plot points, you do see the evolution of Static from, from where he is in the pilot as this kind of scared kid who's learning to deal with his powers and, you know, juggle juggle high school and girls and, and all that stuff and his family life and we see him sort of grow into his, you know, his own, his own man and his own, and his own superhero, especially by this third season. So I think that's something I I've liked, I've liked looking at. And, and certainly as we go back and forth between the different seasons, uh, as we will the next time we review static, I, I like seeing, I like checking in with Virgil at kind of different points in this journey. I, I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, so that will begin to wrap us up. As you mentioned, Cal, we are very excited about what we'll be reviewing next week as we are returning to the world of Batman the Animated Series. I say the world, but it's all the same world because it's the DCU. <laughs> That's uh, right. We're returning to the show, Batman the Animated Series, picking up where we left off. Unlike with Static and Superman and some of our other shows, we do review all of the Batman episodes in order so we are picking up where we left off, oh boy, Cal, with the episode Tiger, Tiger. 
we're going from a man that's a leopard man to a man that is a tiger man. So we, we mentioned, we called uh, Osibo uh, Tiger Man several times, but uh, deepest apologies. We did not mean to say that all cat men are exactly the same. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yes, next month we actually, we actually have a Tiger Man, but it's Tiger with a Y. Uh, as we jump into Tiger Tiger, which is sort of a pseudo sequel to Cat Scratch Fever, which as you, is, if you've listened to our podcast, you'll know that is one of the lowest rated episodes to date that we've done. So uh, this is going to be interesting, Liam, an interesting way to kick off. Uh, the month of August. Yes, it's going to be something of a Batman the Animated Series creature feature month. If you, uh, <laughs> as we get into some of the episodes we have on the docket, all all throughout the month of August. But of course, next week that starts with Tiger Tiger. But that's all next week, and we will talk about that at length then. But until then, I'm Liam, and I'm Cal, and we'll be back next week with another episode of the DCAU Review. Bye bye.